Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Welcome everyone. So good to be gathered in God's house together. Also want to welcome all those joining us online uh, and say a special hello to all the men and women in our correctional ministry, which includes uh, all those joining us from the Belize Central Prison. We love you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. Come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. It's awesome. Today we are starting a brand new four-week series called It Is Written. This series is, is all about all of us gaining a greater understanding, digging into, and, and really having a, a, a hunger for the truth of God's word. This is such an important part of all of our lives. Like if we can grab a hold of this, it will change our lives forever. Because how many of us know prayer is how we talk to God, but reading the Bible is the main way God talks to all of us. And so we're going to get real practical in this series next week. We're going to talk about understanding the Bible. In week three, we're going to talk about why the Bible can be trusted In week four, we're going to talk about how do we hold on to the truth of God's word no matter what's happening in our lives. But today, I kind of want to start things off on a little bit of a a different note. I just felt like God was really just laying on my heart that we would kick this entire series off by talking about the role the Bible plays in each and every one of our lives and how to overcome temptation. Today, I want to talk to us about overcoming temptation. And as we dive into the message today, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, let's let's first define what temptation is. Webster's defines temptation as the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Now, how many of us know we've all been tempted and we've all given into the desire to do something we knew was wrong? Or unwise. Like from the time we were born into this world, it didn't take too long for us to start to have this, this desire to do something that we knew we shouldn't do. Which kind of reminds me, for those of us who are parents, I'm just kind of curious, how many of us have ever had a teacher send a note home with one of our kids? Anybody besides... Besides, I just want you to know you're not alone because me and Justina have experienced this as parents multiple times. In fact, uh, just a few months ago, my my five-year-old son, Brax, uh, also known as B-Rax, had a note sent home from school by, by one of his teachers that he did something wrong at school that day and uh, just something you need to know about Brax. He's full on boy. He's all boy. He's full of energy. It's one of the things we love about him, but it also can make life a little interesting at times too. And so he gets this note home and, and, you, and I pull it out and I, I'm reading it. And, and of course, Justine is there and my other two kids, Jace and, and Tessa are there and B-Rax. And, and I start reading it and I start to smile. Ever had that? Like I'm trying not to laugh. And what's going on, for two reasons. One, I can totally see my kid doing this, number one. Like, I know he did it. I'm not even questioning. I know he did it. And two, I can kind of relate to what they're doing, you know. And so 
So a teacher sent, before I even tell you a story, first off, if you're a teacher here, we just want you to know we love you. We're so, we're so grateful for you. Seriously, we do appreciate you. We value you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for your patience as you invest in my kids because I know who I'm sending to school. I know what you're dealing with. And so we are just grateful for you. But, but I start reading this note and it says, today Braxton was, was pulling, he was running with a wagon with another kid riding in the wagon. And I stopped Braxton and told him to walk with the wagon because we didn't want anybody to get hurt and we wanted to keep everyone safe. And, and the teacher goes on to write that as, as soon as I turned my back to look at the other kids, I could hear the wheels of the wagon moving. I'm just trying to keep it together at this point, right? Moving fast. And I turn around and sure enough, there was Braxton running with the wagon with another kid riding inside of it. And they, the teacher goes on to say, so I reminded Brax that I had just told him to walk, and he told me that the kid in the wagon wanted to go fast. <laughs> and I just thought, well, well played, son, well played. It, it's not my fault. This kid wanted to go Teach, I don't even like wagons. I hate wagons. I don't even want to be in this. This, this kid is the one you want to talk to. Sound familiar? Like all the way back in the Garden of Eden, did you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Well, the woman you gave me, well, the serpent said, right, it's not me. That's the one you want to. How many know this has been going on since the beginning of time? And it's kind of funny because obviously we talked to Brax about obeying and honoring his, his teachers, but, but the, the funny part is we can all relate to that moment where, where Brax was told to do, not to do something he really wanted to do. Like we can all re relate to having this desire and even giving in to doing something we, we know is wrong or unwise. But how many of us know it's, it's one thing to be a five-year-old boy pulling a wagon, but as we get older, how many of us know the temptations become more serious and the consequences become more severe? And so as we talk about overcoming temptation today, I want to encourage us to listen to this, this message through the lens of maybe our top one or two greatest temptations. And let me just give us a few example, examples today just to kind of get our minds rolling Maybe, maybe some of us might say that, that we're really vulnerable to, to overeating and we just get started. We just, we, we, we just can't seem to stop. Or maybe we, we just struggle with having a, an addiction to, to sugar. Maybe some of us would say that we struggle with overspending. Like, like we know we shouldn't buy it, but it went on sale. And then we tell ourselves we're actually saving money. So we buy something that we really didn't need with money that we really didn't have. Maybe for others of us, it might be a substance. Maybe it's in a bottle or something we smoke or something that we shoot up. And it seems to have more power over us than we have to resist it. Maybe for some of us, it might be lust. And what we're thinking about, what we're imagining, what we're looking at. Maybe we've even acted on those feelings, on those thoughts. And, and even though we don't want to, we still end up doing it. Maybe for some of us, it's this this. Uh, we're just tempted to criticize, 
And we're just really, we're really actually good at it. Like we can pick anything apart. Like we see what's wrong with something more than we see what's right with some, something. In fact, maybe you're here and you've already found 10 things wrong with this church and we're not even halfway through the service yet, right? Or maybe others of us, we're, we're thinking to ourselves right now, I am so glad so-and-so is here today because they really need to hear this because they are so messed up. Like, I don't have any, like, really big temptation. I don't really have any major weaknesses. Well, well, then you would just fall into the category of pride with a capital P, right? Because the truth is we, we're all vulnerable somewhere. Maybe it's gossip and we're always just talking about somebody in the name of the Lord. And, and here's another prayer request. Did you hear what so-and-so did? But, but we're, all, we're all vulnerable somewhere. And that's why the Bible... God's word is so vital and important to all of our lives. Now, with that said, and we talk, and as we talk about overcoming temptation today, let me give us our key thought for today's message. And my hope is if you get nothing else from the message, I pray that you would grab a hold of this. I feel like God really put this in my heart uh, on, on Wednesday night, about three in the morning, I was thinking about the message and I felt like God just really gave me this, this word. And it really uh, is a personal word because it's, it's, it's how I've been able to overcome some temptation in my life, some things, uh, truth that God has used in my own life. And so if you're taking notes, our key thought for today's message is simply this, that temptation weakens next to truth. Temptation weakens next to truth. Now, let me give you a little picture of what I kind of mean by that, that, that thought. And have you ever seen any like counterfeit money? Have you ever seen like a counterfeit $20 bill? I know some of you have because last week we got a counterfeit $20 bill in the offering. Let me just say, if you want to go to hell, just try to give God a count fake money, right? Just saying, I love this church. You never know what's going to happen at Experience Church. There's never a dull moment around here. And so as we, look, as we looked at this counterfeit $20 bill, by itself, it looked good. It, it looked normal. It, it looked like it should look. But as we put a real $20 bill up next to it, all of a sudden you could see its flaws. All of a sudden you could see the differences. All of a sudden you could see this is not the real thing. And the same thing happens with temptation. At first it looks like the real thing, at first, you think it's going to give you what you want until you put it up next to truth because temptation weakens next to truth. In fact, I want, I want to take a look at a, a, just a small part of a, a prayer that Jesus prayed over his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 17. Jesus is praying over them. He says, your word is truth. So make them holy. That word holy means to purify, to cleanse, to set apart. And how does that happen? How do we become holy? How do we become cleansed and purified? By the truth. Your word, God, the Bible is truth. And Jesus is, is praying this over his disciples because he understands that temptation weakens next to truth, the truth of God's word. In fact, there's a great example and story in scripture where Jesus uses this phrase, it is written over and over and over again as he faced temptation. I wanna study the story as our main text today. Let's take a look at it. 
Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read all, all 10 verses, and then we'll kind of pick it apart. Starting in verse 1, it says this, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hangry. Verse 3 says, the tempter came to him and said, well, he's hungry. I would have been hangry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, already we see the enemy casting doubt on his identity. Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, well, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and, and had him stand the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Notice what Satan did, quoted scripture, used the same phrase that Jesus used and then quoted a passage of scripture back to him. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse seven, Jesus answered in him, it is also written. I, I, I see you and I raise you one. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him in verse 10, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And there are three temptations that we see in this encounter between Jesus and, and Satan I would make the argument that these, these, uh, are the three these are three major categories that every temptation would fall into. And as we look at these three temptations, I want to I want to encourage us to to look at them as categories. And so, if you're taking notes, the first temptation or the first category that that Satan is attacking in Jesus's life is, is number one is provision. Provision. Let's take a look at it again. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. The tempter, Satan, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now remember, Jesus was hungry. He had been fasting for 40 days and, and 40 nights in the wilderness, in this dry and desolate place. And, and Satan comes to him and says, If you really are the Son of God, where's your father at? Why isn't he taking care of you? Why, are you? why did he let you be in this situation in the first place? Why isn't he taking, kind of sounds like the, the, the same thing that, that the serpent said to Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. Did he really say that? He's holding out on you. He doesn't love you. He's not gonna take care of you. You're going through what you're going through because he's not with you. And we see in this temptation that is, that is dealing with this category of provision. And so we have to ask ourselves, who, who are we going to look at to meet our needs? Like, where are we going to look to to meet our needs? And I want us to understand that even the temptation of lust would fall under this category because we're looking to someone else to meet our needs rather than looking to God to meet our needs or following God's way and his ways to meet our needs. And so we see this very first temptation that Satan comes to Jesus attacking this provision, that God will not provide for you. God does not care. You can't trust him. And Jesus responds in the very next verse. 
He responds in Matthew chapter four, verse four, by saying, it is written. And you know what Jesus does? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three to Satan. He quotes the word back to him. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's not just Jesus's response. He's quoting the Bible back to his enemy. And all of a sudden, I'm sure Jesus was tempted. He was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days. I'm sure some hot Texas roadhouse rolls sounded good with that cinnamon butter. Come on, somebody. I can whip those up, snap my fingers. Man, that sounds good. But all of a sudden, this temptation for, for Jesus to take it upon himself and meet his own needs, his own way, apart from God the Father, loses his power next to truth. Why? Because temptation weakens next to truth. You know, for example, even in my own life, when, when, when lust maybe comes knocking at my door, something that, that I try to do is, is not only remind myself of what the Bible says what is written in God's word that a man shall not look lustfully at another man's wife. And, and Jesus said that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery and on and on and on. There's many other scriptures. And so I know what the word says, but then I also try to remind myself of the consequences of not following God's word. I try to imagine the consequences of what would happen if I don't follow the truth of God's word. And so I start thinking about what if I give in to that temptation, what's that gonna do to my family? How's that gonna make my wife feel? That's gonna devastate my little girl. What a horrible example to my two boys that I'm trying to raise up to be men of God. And when I start to put truth next to the counterfeit version of the real thing, I want nothing to do with it. Like by itself, that temptation might be appealing. By itself, that temptation might look good. But next to truth, come on, it loses its power. Maybe someone needs to, to hear that today. Maybe this is something you need to start putting into practice in your own life. Maybe when you're tempted to do something that you know is wrong or unwise, not only would you grab a hold of the, the truth of God's word and start, start standing on his promises, but also that you would start thinking about some of the consequences of not following God's word. Maybe you would you could make a list of all the pros and all the cons. Maybe you can make a list of all the things that you're gonna gain and all the things that you're going to lose if you give into that temptation. And what you're gonna discover is that your list of things you gain will be really small, but the list of the things that you are gonna lose will be 10 times as much as what you'll gain. You know how I know this? Because sin overpromises and underdelivers every single time. Why? Because it's a counterfeit version of the real thing. And we'll stop going for that bait. Not when I just look at the temptation and what I want and what I don't have. But when I start putting that temptation next to truth, I start realizing, man, that's never, that's never gonna give me what I'm looking for. And so the question when it comes to this temptation is, is where are we going to look for our provision? Who are we gonna look to to meet our needs? Will we look to God or will we look somewhere else? 
can I just save us some, some time and some trouble? If we look to another person, we'll always be disappointed because that, that person cannot provide for all of our needs all of the time. Maybe a little bit of this, a little of that, but not all of our needs all of the time. Only God can do that. And so how do we, how do we have the faith? How do we have the faith to know, God, you're my provider? This is who you are. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. My provision comes from you and following your ways. Well, how many of us know the, the Bible says it is written, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, I can tell us today that God is our provider, but until we get into God's word for ourselves, until we start getting God's word in us and start standing on his promises, how many of us know we'll keep chasing mirages and trying to fill our hearts and fill our lives with things that will never really satisfy? But the more we know what, what, what is written, when the enemy of our soul comes with this temptation for us to meet our needs our own way, we can stand on the truth of God's word and say, it is written. The second kind of temptation, the second category, y'all kind of quiet today. The second temptation or, or category that we see Satan tempt Jesus with is number two, write this down, and that is protection. Protection. Matthew chapter four, verses five through six. Then the devil took him to the holy city and, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, Satan said, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Here Satan uses the same exact phrase that Jesus used, it is written. And then he actually quotes Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 to Jesus. And this is the, the Psalm, you could read it for yourself. This is the Psalm where God promise to protect us wherever we go. How many of Satan knows the word too? And so he's going, oh, no, the Bible says, Jesus in Psalm 91, that God will protect you wherever you go. And so what do we do when Satan comes and he attacks us with the lie that God won't protect us? Well, we better know the word of God better than he does. We better know the word of God to the point where we realize, man, that's, that you're taking that out of context. That's not the heart of God. That's not what he's saying. Because if we don't, how many know we'll fall into that trap and follow that lie? This is what Jesus did. Because in verse seven, Matthew chapter four, take a look at it. Jesus answered him, it is also written. And you know what Jesus does here? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six. He quotes the word back. To Satan, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I love this because Jesus, Jesus said, I don't have to put God to the test to know that he's watching over me and that he's protecting me because it is written. Now, there, there, there's two things I want us to grab a hold of that we can learn and even apply to our own lives uh, from Jesus' response in this, in this temptation. The, the first is not putting God to the test means that we're not gonna keep putting ourselves in situations that force God to work miracles just to get, get us out of those situations. That, that's what that means, Don't, I'm not gonna put the Lord God to this. That means I'm not just gonna keep putting myself in these situations and just saying, well, God will get me out of this. Well, God will protect me. That there's no consequences for my choices. 
How, how many of us know that there's a scripture that says God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness? Like we don't just go around with God, there's grace. I can just do whatever I wanna do. It doesn't matter because grace and God's forgiveness, God said, no, I'm giving you grace to teach you that you keep chasing the counterfeit version of the real thing. You keep going your own way and doing your own thing. And it's time for you to stand on the truth of my word and follow my ways. And so I'm gonna give you grace, but stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. And I know not putting God to the test. I mean, I'm not gonna keep putting myself in a situation where I need God to do a miracle just to get me out of it. But then the second thing I wanted I want us to notice is that, that Jesus already had this in his heart ahead of time. Like he was already, he already had the word in him before the temptation. He already was standing on this promise before Satan even came to him. Like it was already in him before the temptation, before the struggle, before the difficulty. If you're anything like me, I think we make a, a common mistake we make is that we run to God after the, the, the struggle, after, after all hell breaks loose in our lives. Spending three and a half years incarcerated, there was a common theme in jail that we all started reading the Bible after we got incarcerated. Everybody's reading the Bible in jail. Ain't nobody reading the Bible out of it. Right? We're reactive, not proactive. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting ahead of this thing. I'm going to be ready for the storm. I'm not going to try and prepare for the hurricane in the hurricane. I'm going to prepare for it before it even hits. I'm going to be ready. It was already in him that we would have the word of God and stand on this promise that God is our protector before that day happens. You know that day? That, that, that day when you get the bad medical report? That day. That day when your kid's in a situation and a struggle and a, they're in trouble and, and you can't bail them out this time. You're, you're helpless to, to go save them. There's nothing you, that day. Th that, that day you, someone that you love passes away. Someone that you care about. That day, it's, it's, it's in that day that you need to be ready to go, no, I, even though I'm hurting, even though I'm sad, even though I feel helpless, I know my God is still with me. He's still watching over me and he's still protecting me. I gotta be ready for that day. Because here, here's what we know our enemy's gonna do. When that day happens, he's gonna come to us and say, I told you, I told you you couldn't trust him. I told you he didn't care about you. I told you he wasn't protecting you. I told you he wasn't watching over you. Look what happened. And if we don't have the word in us, how many, have you, have you met somebody who went through a struggle and a tragedy and a hardship and a real tough thing? I mean, it's tough. And then now they, they blame God for what they went through. They resent God. This is what, the, in, in, in them, they went through a hardship. I'm not making light of it. But the enemy comes and see, I told you, you can't trust God. I told you he wasn't watching over you. I told you he wasn't protecting you. It's in that day I have to be ready and go, no, 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 no. Even though I hurt, even though I'm sad, even though I'm helpless, I know I can trust my God. He's watching over, he's protecting me. I don't have to fear. I don't have to live afraid. Did you, did you know the, 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 the most repeated command in all of scripture is fear not. 
It's over 365 times. That's one fear not for every day of the year. I have to live my life in fear. God, you're protecting me. I can turn off the news and everything happening in our world today, God, because you're with me. I have to live in fear. I don't have to control it. You're in control. I'm not, God. You're watching over me. You're watching over my kids. You're watching over my family. I trust you. And I get, we get the, the word of God in our, in our hearts. Scriptures like Isaiah chapter 40, 41, verse 10, where God says, do not be afraid for I'm with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will help you and I will strengthen you and I will uphold you in the midst of the storm. I'll uphold you in that trial. I'll uphold you in that difficulty. I'll uphold you when your heart's broken. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. How many of us know that's great I quoted it today, but I'm gonna need to hold on to that scripture when that day happens. It's in that day, can I still say, God, I'm not afraid because you're with me. I'm not discouraged because you're my God. You'll strengthen me, you'll help me. You'll, you'll uphold me with your victorious. I trust you, God, I'm standing on your word, not my feelings. How many know feelings are for feeling but not always for following? I have them, I'm not denying them, I'm not acting like I'm not sad, I'm not acting like I'm not hurting, I'm not putting on a front, but I'm also not letting them control my life. I'm standing on the truth, it is written. Then this third category, third temptation that we see Satan tempted Jesus with is number three is power. This is category of power. Let's unpack it a little bit. Matthew chapter four, verses eight and nine. Here we see this again. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. I read several commentaries on this, on this temptation and this struggle because I, I really wanted, God, what are, you, what are you wanting to show us here? It was interesting, many of them brought this point out and here Satan said, I'll give you power if you worship me, Jesus. In other words, Satan offered Jesus a shortcut to his kingdom. See, Jesus knew that eventually he would have to suffer and die. But if he bowed down and he worshiped Satan just once, he wouldn't have to go through all that pain and hardship. It was this temptation to to take the easy way out, to have the power to decide for ourselves what we think is best for us. How many of us know that, that we all face that same temptation today? I know better. I wanna, I wanna have control of my life. I wanna call the shots. I wanna have power over what I think, say, and do. It's this temptation for us to be in control of our own lives, living the way that we want to live. The problem with that is that when we're calling the shots, how many of us know eventually we'll, we'll choose what we want over what we need? I mean, if you're anything like me, I'm gonna probably choose at some point the easier, the more comfortable, what I want over what I really need. We kind of recognize this as parents, don't we? That if we left our kids to themselves, they would choose ice cream and no school. You know, they would choose the things they want over some of the harder decisions that we as parents know that they 
they need. And how many of us know God the Father is faced with that same situation with each and every one of us. But we understand that the counterfeit version looks good until you put it up next to truth. Remember, temptation weakens next to truth. And the Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In other words, we see our perspective, our vision is limited. We just see what's in front of us. But God sees the the entire story. God sees the, the big picture. He knows what we need. Can I just say, he knows what's best for us. And even Jesus struggled with this, not only at the beginning of his ministry as he's fasting, but if you remember, towards the end of his life on earth, as he struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, he's praying, he sweats drops of blood because of the the pressure and the, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And you remember what he prayed? Father, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, if, there, if there's any way uh, somebody else could do it, if there's any way we could take an easier route, if there's any way I wouldn't have to go through this difficulty, let's do that. But he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, but nevertheless, what did he pray? Not my will, but your will be done. It was the same response that he gave to Satan in the wilderness. Take a look, Matthew chapter four, verse 10. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written. And then Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13. All three verses Jesus quoted back to Satan came from the book of Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In other words, He's saying, not to us, but to your name, Father, be all the glory and honor and praise. God, you're in control. You're God and I'm not. And so I give you power over my life. How many of us know we all face that temptation of us being in control, of us calling the shots, of us doing things our own way? But temptation weakens Next to truth. So let me stand on the promises of God, like Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And when I stand on his promises, I say, God, you're in control. God, I trust you. God, I give you power over my life. And as we head into these 21 days of, of prayer and, and fasting, I want, to, I want to challenge us that we would stand on the promises of God. That we dig into God's word like never before. And so real quickly, as we close today, how do we stand on the truth of God's word? How, how do we know what is written? How do we overcome temptation when it creeps into our lives? Let me just give us real quickly three things that we need to do when it comes to the Bible. The first thing is we need to accept its authority. How many know the Bible is not just some book? It's not just some book, some good ideas. And the Bible is the authoritative word of God. It's God's, God's word, his roadmap to us. And so I got to give it authority over my life. 
I got to put it up. I got to come underneath it. I got to accept its authority. This is God's word. How many of you know God's word has, has more authority than your word? Let me break it down like this. I, I use a common phrase. Parents, you can adopt this if you want. I think it's biblical. If it's not, it's good. If, 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 my, if one of my kids talks back, I just say, I'm not asking. You ever had that? Jace over here has heard that a thousand times. He stops asking me. He hasn't heard it for a while. Hey, son, I need you to go do this. But, 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 I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, son. And you know what? He knows because I love him. Conversation's over. I'm gonna go do it. Why? Because dad's words has authority over him. In a good way. I love them, right? I mean, that's what, we, that's what we have to understand about the Bible. It has authority over us. This is the way, this is the truth. This is the, this, Jesus is that. His word is that. And so we gotta give it authority over our lives. We, we don't treat it like just some book. No, 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 I honor it. I honor it. How many of the word honor means weight? There's some weight to it. To dishonor means to take lightly. I don't take the word of God lightly. I don't just throw it around. No, no, I honor it. I got to accept its authority. I said I was going to move quickly through these. I'm going to do that now. So I got to accept its authority. Number two, I must absorb its truths. And I put in parentheses there. I got to read it. I got to memorize it. I got to study. I got to absorb the truths. I got to get these truths inside of me. So I just want to encourage you, man, if you don't have, download the, get a Bible. Download on your, on your phone or iPad or whatever, the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. And there's thousands of Bible reading plans that you can choose from in your season of life and your struggle and, and your desires and what you're wanting to learn more about. And let's just, man, let's have a goal to read God's word every day over the next 21 days. And let's just see what God does. Let's just see what God would do in our, in our lives. And maybe before we read it, can we just pray a simple, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Before you read it, in the next 21 days, whether it's one verse or a chapter or whatever you do, whatever the amount is, before you read it, just say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Let's just see what God does over the next 21 days. And so we must accept his authority. We must absorb his truths. And then number three, we must apply its principles. I mean, we don't want to just be a hearer of God's word. I want to be a doer. The word becomes powerful when we apply it. I can know the right thing to do, but if I don't do it, right? And let's just run into 2022. And this could be the best year of our lives if it's the best year spiritually. And that's why we're doing this series so that we can gain a greater understanding of God's word. We can have, have a greater hunger and thirst for his truth in our lives. And as we stand on the promises of God, I'm just believing that God is gonna do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think, ask, or imagine in our own hearts, in our families, in this community and beyond in 2022. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we love you in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Thank you, God, for who you are. And right now, as we're praying together, can you just be so bold as to pray this prayer? 
God, how do you want me to respond to the message today? What's my next step? What are you calling me to do? Maybe others of us, it's a temptation that we've just been battling. We take two steps forward and we take two steps back. It's this constant seesaw back and forth. Maybe God spoke to you today. Maybe it's temptation in the category of provision or protection or something you're just battling with. In fact, if there's a temptation you're dealing with and you need to stand on the truth of God's word with every head bowed and every eye closed, could you just lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you. Come on, we all got stuff. If you're watching online, right where you're at, maybe put a hand emoji up in the chat. Let us know. We want to pray for you. Come on, we're all in this together. We all got issues. Father, you see the hands in this place. You know the struggles we have. You know the temptation that we battle and that we're up against. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we, we face these temptations, God, I pray that we would have your, hide your word in our hearts. That you would remind us to think about the consequences of not following your word. That we'd make a list of all the things that we're going to gain and all the things that we're going to lose, God. And that you would give us the courage and the strength to choose life, to choose truth, to choose following your way. We realize that temptation weakens next to truth. Father, your word is truth. We stand on your promises. They're yes and amen. We trust you. As we continue praying together today, maybe you're here and you kind of identify more with that third temptation of power, controlling your own life, calling the shots yourself. And today is the day for you to surrender. Not, I'm done. I'm done driving the bus. I'm done calling the shots. I've tried it over and over and over. I keep wrecking the car. I keep driving off the road. Here's my life, God. I give you control of my life. If you need to make that decision, would you lift your hand to heaven right now, wherever you're at? Here I am. And pray this prayer with me right where you're at. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I'm done controlling my own life. I'm done calling the shots. Here's my heart. Here's my life. I give you control. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and uh, that's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar they shall walk 
they shall run and I faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.